This is Southern Tier Close-Up on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. This is the Southern Tier Close-Up, a weekly public affairs presentation of this station. Joining me from the Community Hunger Outreach Warehouse, you better know it as Chow, Les Aylesworth, the director. How are you doing today, Les? I'm doing fine. How are you? Well, we're we're here. <laughs> we're actually very excited. We're getting ready to do another Foodabago. Do you have any idea how many years we've been doing this? It's been over, what, 30? I don't know. I know it's been an awful long time. I, I want to say that last year or this year was the, the 30th. It was. It's close anyway. But um, it, it started out fairly small, and it's grown exponentially. But then all of a sudden, we kind of had a rug yanked out from under us as plans were underway for this year's Foodabago. As everyone knows, the COVID hit the fan in March. Here we thought we were hoping it would all be over by now. But it isn't, but we're still going ahead with the food bagel, aren't we? Thank goodness you are. Um, you said it very correctly. The rug got pulled out from under us, didn't it? Yeah. Everything is different this year. What is Chow seeing as far as a result of the pandemic with food insecurity in our area? It already has been forever and ever a huge problem. I used to joke with some of the uh, former Chow directors that it was one job you kind of was hoping that you would work yourself out of, but obviously that hasn't happened. Uh, things are very different, and and I assume quite a, a different clientele, if you will, showing up for assistants that have never seen you guys before, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're right. We This is one of those uh, gigs where you are trying to work yourself out of a job, and I would say it seemed to be that we were making some progress, you know, chipping away at it, and the uh, the numbers of quote unquote food insecure were starting to decline. And then 2020 hit, and whatever progress had been made in the past few years has just been eliminated completely. Um, Feeding America, which is the largest uh, food insecurity uh, organization in America, projects that because of COVID. Uh, Broome County alone is probably going to increase food insecure-wise by around 10,000 people. And so, you know, in a, in a population of approximately 200,000 people, that's a pretty huge increase. Um, and like you said, there are people coming to pantries that had never been before because um, people have been furloughed from jobs. They lost their jobs. Um, they're in situations that they weren't in a year ago and have had to access emergency food sources for the first time in their lives. And we're hearing it from our pantries, people who um, you would never expect to see at, the, at, a, at a food pantry, people who are, you know, sort of middle class, but because they don't have a steady income anymore, you know, there comes a choice that people have to make. Do I pay my rent? Do I pay the gas bill? Or do I pay for food? And that's why Chow exists, to, to help people in those situations so they don't have to make the call to not get food or not pay a bill we want to be able to help them in that situation chow has been around obviously longer than the food abago which kind of almost began as a, a lark a, something nice we can do and have a lot of fun with if, if people aren't familiar with what a food abago is it, it, i'll give a little background since it, it was kind of our little deal here it started out as a winnebago uh mobile home camper type thing that the idea was to fill it stock full of so much canned food that the disc jockey that was 
living in the camper 24-7 for the week that it was set up or however long it was set up, that they were literally pushed out of the camper because there was no more room for them. From there, over the years, it got to be so much po- so popular that we ended up, I know one year we had a fairly small camper, and we ended up having to jack it up because the tires were going to pop from the weight of the food. <laughs> and then it got to the point where we had to have the chow trucks there so we could keep offloading, and things like challenges and supermarket challenges and businesses challenging each other, and all that happened, and and it just kept going with the food bag. We still kept calling it a food bag, and we still, you know, thanks to our our sponsors and and our partners have provided us with campers every year to be able to to continue this thing, but uh, it has gotten to the point where last year. Do, I, do you remember how many tons was ra- we raised on that thing? Yeah, we did uh, 22,000 pounds, over 22,000 pounds. We had to, uh, the truck was basically filled twice. It was a record year, and as we were sitting back on our canned laurels, <laughs> thinking what a great job it was and how long that the food pantries would be set, going into the new year, figuring it was going to be lasting for several months, all of a sudden, February went into March, and all of a sudden, you folks over at Chow were back in dire straits again as far as supplies on the shelves of the, of the warehouse. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It was, it was pretty crazy at that point because once people started being quarantined, getting ill, um, they were in vulnerable populations. They couldn't get out. We had to do some pivoting here to uh, accommodate that. One of the things we, we uh, did was create what I called a five-day emergency food box. It was nothing glamorous, but it had food in it, and we were hoping it would get a person through five days. And so we had call after call after call of folks who were essentially stranded wherever they were at home, unable to get out to the store, needing uh, food. And so over the course of a few months, between March and May, we made over a 1,000 home deliveries. We uh, distributed between homes, schools, and whatnot. We've, we've given out over... Uh, 10,000 of those boxes. And so, like you said, the food that we had on the floor is gone. And we've had to get creative where to get food. I mean, there were times during um, March, April, May where food was scarce out there. It was kind of scary to see what was happening. Right. Well, you have your your community partners, too, the certain stores and such, that provide you guys with, if you know, kind of wholesale price and, you sure. know, special deal. But when you can't find the stuff at all for anybody you know how did those partnerships fare while you guys were trying to stock up while people that could get out were finding they couldn't find the stuff that they normally were buying those empty shelves i mean they were they were yeah incessant i remember you go to the spaghetti aisle i had to buy whole grain angel hair because that's all they had one day and that's expensive it was just and i think there was two boxes on the shelf that's all i could get for my wife It was it was day after day of this, and so we would put in orders for food, and only a third of it would come because they didn't have it in stock. You know, the, the warehouses were empty, and you know, I think the uh, the pandemic revealed a lot of things about a lot of things, if you know what I mean. And stress always does reveal cracks in systems, and one of the cracks we saw was in our food system. And I certainly don't know the solutions to those, but I know that what the result was is that there was unavailable food a lot of times. So. 
like you said, folks who could get out to the store or weren't in a financial situation where they couldn't afford food, the food wasn't even available to them. So imagine what it was like for those who either couldn't afford the food or couldn't get out to it. It was even worse. Now, with all this hitting when it did, how long had you been in the position as the chow director at that point? I mean, this obviously, even if somebody was in there for 20 years, this is something that they never could have anticipated or even imagined in their worst nightmare ever having to deal with. Yeah, so I had been in the position about four months, four and a half months when it hit. Um, And you thought, what the heck have I gotten myself (laughs) into? Pretty much. I don't know if it was good or bad, so I didn't have any, like, past experience to know what was supposed to happen. So maybe I could get creative because I didn't know the quote-unquote rules of the game and just say, this is what we ought to do because it makes sense and, you know, at the time kind of throw caution to the wind. Um, Not in an unsafe way, but, you know, as far as the quote-unquote rules and all that. We we tried to develop a plan as we saw the, the... the the virus spreading around the world and and start asking ourselves, what will we do when it hits here? Because it's going to hit here. What are we going to do? And that those were, those emergency food boxes were part of that plan. And, you know, really proud of the team that we have here at Chow who worked under extraordinary circumstances because typically uh, a place like Chow operates under uh, using a lot of volunteers. We have a job training program that runs every 12 weeks and those provide like a critical mass of manpower. But with everything being shut down, everyone being told to go home, work remotely, we basically went, we basically cut our our working staff here, and I'm considering volunteers and whatnot as part of that, to about a quarter. And so at the height of this thing, we were pushing out almost five times the amount of food as we typically do in a, in, in a, in a time. And so we were doing nearly five times the amount of food with a quarter of the staff. And so... It was a challenging time, and so, like you said, being new to the position, uh, not really sure what I was doing to begin with, it was uh, uh, <laughs> it was interesting for sure. Well, I was going to ask you that because about the, the person power, because we saw that with a lot of not-for-profits, that they could not call their volunteers in to help, and that was another piece of the puzzle that was all of a sudden you know yanked out of the middle and you're trying to figure out how to cope and how to deal mm-hmm. well, let's get back to the food of bago it is uh coming up this week um as we are airing this on the weekend it's we're getting ready to launch into it we're not going to be doing those shopping cart challenges we've got some different concerns and and protocols due to the pandemic tell us what people need to know to be able to help if they can however they can with this drive to try to get us through, you know, and we don't know what lies down the future where we could have a, a situation as bad as it was in the spring, if not worse. But how can people help with this particular effort and what do they need to know? So you're right. We're trying to minimize the social contact um, with, with donating food. There will be opportunities to donate food, and we're hoping that people will um, actually give tangible items. But because of that, we're trying to encourage folks to also give cash if they can. Um, every dollar given to Chow equals five meals for the community. So we're really proud of that. You know, we can, you can really make your dollar stretch through us. Um, but we do have, there will be opportunities. So at the end of the day, we want people to give. I mean, we're, we're asking them to give. We really appreciate every gift, whether it's a one can of corn or a dollar or 50 cents. We're grateful for every, every gift that the community gives to us. And because the community has been fantastic, not only in years past, but through this entire pandemic, the, the community has really risen up to help us to support their neighbors because, like I said earlier, you don't know who's going to be in need. You know, next month it could be you. And so um, 
that's how we're encouraging people to give um, any way they can. Where is the Foodabago going to be set up? When is it going to be set up? And I know one of the things about with social distancing, we're not so much looking at filling the camper as getting it directly with the least amount of contact, getting the food to the site and then to you guys. So yep. where so, and when do people show up? So we're going to be up at upper, the Upper Front Street, Weiss, uh, November 2nd through the 9th. And um, what we'll have there is one of our chow trucks. Right in the back we'll have bins, uh, where food can be put, but there will also be, I believe, three or four barrels outside the RV. So if people just want to uh, step up, drop it in the barrel, and walk back away, and then someone will take care of it from there and put it into the truck. So it's going to be really easy, and as you mentioned, we're, we're trying not to do the shopping cart challenge because um, we want to be able to create space, and we don't want to have too many crowds around. And It's been a wonderful thing in the past, but the situation's changed, and we're trying to adapt to a new world. And we will have members of our uh, Town Square staff throughout the run of the Foodabago to be there to help out as well. But uh, bear in mind that, as as Les said, the cash donations, where in the past we were always encouraging the food donations because it made for better photo opportunities, quite frankly. <laughs> but the, this really, practically speaking, the cash donations are really going to be a very big help. If people maybe don't want to go out, even to drop off cash or things like that, how can they mail donations? We had questions about this in the past, too. How can they make a donation to Chow directly? Where do they send it? And if they want to, like, make a notation that it's for the food Foodabago or just send it in, which, you know, it doesn't matter either way. The important thing is that you guys get the help. How do people send you donations? Yeah, so they can uh, write a check right out to Chow, and if they want to put in the memo, Foodabago, and send it to 3 Otsoningo Street in Binghamton, and we will get it. There's also on our website, broomcouncil.net, a donate button where people can, if they want to do it online, they can they can give there, and I think they can put a comment there that it's for Food Bago as well. And, you know, it's not a bad idea as we're heading into the holidays and people are not going to be seeing their families. This is a good way if you look at the need in our community and people are saying this year, you know, what is there to be thankful for? This is something to be thankful for. We can be thankful for our community. We can be thankful that some of us have things that other people don't have, and we have the ability to help out with something like the food of Bago. And, you know, make a donation to Chow and print out something and give it to your relatives as a Christmas gift saying that you made a donation in their name to help people that are less fortunate in our community. That would be fantastic. Thanks for being my guest today. Thanks so much, Kathy. This has been the Southern Tier Close-Up, a weekly public affairs presentation of this station. This program was recorded for broadcast at this time. I'm Kathy White for the Southern Tier Close-Up. President Trump feels about Anthony 